Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the only show on the internet that dares to talk about Game of Thrones, dragons, Star Wars, movies, television, lasers, fire, such things as this. I am your host, Dan Selke, and I am here with co-host Mia Johnson of Dork's Side of the Force. Mia, how are you on this wonderful Wednesday, WW? Oh, pretty good. It's, you know, it's sunny outside today. It's kind of like we get a little bit of of summer before it officially goes away. Yeah, it it was weird. Like, this weekend was kind of frigid and cold and rainy and crappy, but then suddenly it turned up again. Like, more shorts again. My (laughs) flip-flops are there in the closet. It's bizarre. Okay, um, hey, Julie, good to see you. Uh, congratulations. I'm going to be mailing this to you because you won it from Wick Club. Very, very nice. And thanks to everyone else joining us today. Hello, Denise. What's this all about? Denise, this is all about a program where we talk about the latest in fantasy, sci-fi, nerdy news and review things, have on guests sometimes. Today, we have, okay, this week in general, uh, we had a lot of um, news in the Game of Thrones House of the Dragon space. Because there's a book coming out about Game of Thrones and just lots of things being unveiled. And we'll start with our first big story, just right off the bat. Um, They announced, uh, HBO, that they have officially cast someone in the Game of Thrones prequel show, House of the Dragon. Okay, we've talked about this. This is the show (laughs) that's set a hundred and change years before Game of Thrones. Tells the story of the Dance of the Dragons, the... Targaryen civil war that tore Westeros apart. And you know, Mia, I gotta tell you, mm-hmm. um, like, of course, I've been looking forward to it, this. Because oh, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a Game of Thrones show. But it wasn't until this announcement where, like, an actual face got put to an actual <laughs> name. Something new happened. Yeah. I, I was, like, kind of, like, jazzed the entire <laughs> rest of the afternoon. Yeah, it feels it makes it feel real. It's like, okay, yeah, you can talk about the ideas to the cows come home. But now that we've actually we've got at least one face, you know, that we can see and that we can be like, this is really happening. That's pretty exciting. I completely agree. And that face is English actor Patty Considine, solid (laughs) name, who will be playing King Viserys Targaryen the first. Now, Mia, would you mind if I went on a bit of a... Who the hell is that? Uh, Talk for a second here. Please, we all need it. All right. For those listening, Dance of the Dragons tells the story of the... I'm sorry, House of the Dragon. Dance of the Dragons, Fair in Civil War. Viserys Targaryen is kind of... A, he is not the ass-white Viserys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. Who's like, (laughs) 
Remember him, like the stringy hair yeah. <laughs> who's Daenerys' brother and got the gold port on him? That guy is named for this guy, but they are different. Right. Um, Viserys Targaryen was the king of Westeros before the war broke out. Um, he was, a, by all accounts, a pretty good guy. He had a pretty peaceful reign. He was kind of steadfast. Um, you know, he was married. He had a daughter, Rhaenyra Targaryen. His wife died. He remarried because he was lonely. But um, <laughs> he was a decent man. And, and I liked the description they gave of him because it, it told me that they're going to kind of go into the complexity of this. <clears throat> king Viserys Targaryen is chosen by the Lords of Westeros to secede the old king, Jaehaerys Targaryen, at the Great Council at Harrenhal. A warm, kind, and decent man, Viserys only wishes to carry forward his grandfather's legacy. But good men do not necessarily make for great kings. Now, the reason that's great is I think that really jives with the theme of Game of Thrones a lot. That, you know, we saw saw people like Robert Baratheon and Joffrey Baratheon and Cersei Lannister and Tom Baratheon all on the throne. And they all had big problems, even though, like, you know, Tom was okay as a person, but he was weak as a king. (laughs) And this guy does have good intentions, but he ends up being the progenitor for the most bloody war the country ever sees. I like that naughtiness. I like that kind of um, how just because you're a good person doesn't mean you're going to be able to do good things. Just because you have good intention doesn't mean that you're going that they're going to actually be borne out. Um, in yeah. George R. R. Martin's world, things are uh, dicier than that. And I like that they're kind of embracing that right from the get-go. So was this kind of like a nice guys finish last type of thing or is he being used or or is that um, too spoilery? <laughs> I mean, it's not. I'll tell like the, the we've talked about it before a little bit. The basics of the Dance of the Dragons are he's the king. He has mm-hmm. a daughter by his first wife who he kind of um, like trains to secede him and be queen uh, once he's gone. Right. He remarries after his first wife dies. Again, no foul play. She just dies. It happens, I think, in childbirth. He remarries his new wife. He has a son with her. And then after he dies, there is a secession crisis. The daughter, Rhaenyra, wants to be queen because that's what she's been promised. That's what she's been trained for. And then her half-brother, Aegon Targaryen, also wants to be king, mainly because the second wife is pushing him into it. Alicent Hightower is really like the the power behind that particular throne. And it just gets bloodier and bloodier and more intense. And people take sides <laughs> and dragons are fighting dragons. It's intense. Yeah. And all because this, I mean, not really because he did anything terribly wrong. He, um, it, he just was in the wrong circumstance. And when you're in this stupid system where the next ruler is the child of the last ruler, <laughs> things like this tend to happen. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yeah, that's really interesting. It seems like an interesting character. So do you think he's... Okay, so he's the king that dies. Yeah, he dies, which is kind of what starts it off, the whole war. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm wondering how long will he be in this series? Since it's like one of the first characters to be like, you know, Sean King, Sean Bean. (laughs) That is what I might guess, that like he might die at the end of the first season. Because there is a bunch of stuff to do before that. Okay. Like, you set up all the characters. They have, they kind of hit each other long before, like, it really gets hot. Okay. Like, there's, you know, the, the Renera's daughters and um, people who are loyal to Allison have conflicts beforehand. There's a great banquet scene I'm looking forward to. 
and while the king is alive. And they're, <laughs> they're already kind of like button heads, Renera and Allison. And one of them comes out in a green dress and the other in a black dress. And like the whole capital is like, did you hear? They were in a green and a black dress. And then from there on out, they're known as the Greens and the Blacks, which is like the <laughs> name they keep throughout the entire war because of their sartorial choices at that damn dinner. Um, <laughs> so that should be a great scene. And that's before the king dies, I think. I'm pretty sure. Okay. As for the actor himself, I agree with you, Julie. I don't really know a ton of what he does, but he is, you know, he has a long career. He's been around. He's been around the block. He was in The Outsider, which I enjoyed on HBO, Peaky Blinders. Hot Fuzz, which I watched back in the day. A bunch of folk <laughs> were saying on Twitter and on Facebook that like, oh, I loved him in The Suspicions of Mr. Witcher. And I was like, what the hell is that? But he was in that. And people seemed <laughs> oh, to like fantastic. it. <laughs> he <laughs> has a good, solid yeah. resume. But yeah, it looks also, like it. Which I also like because, again, like you always wonder, like, do you want to cast like, you know, like a name or do you want to cast for a role? Mm-hmm. And... This is exactly the kind of person I think kind of like fits what I'm looking for in this. Like someone who's not really like a giant celebrity, but who does have a consistent track record of being good at acting, which I think is what you need for a long form (laughs) TV series. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think really HBO needs any big time actor or anything to be in this. Like, you know, I'm sure he'll, he'll definitely be fine in this, but... Yeah, I'm like, they don't really necessarily need that. I think they'll be able to get away with just kind of the Game of Thrones label as is. Oh, totally. And yeah, yeah. Although I do still want Florence Pugh to play uh, Rhaenyra okay. Targaryen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Whatever. I'm, yeah. Now that we're rolling, I'm going to put it out there. And I'm sure we'll have casting announcements for Rhaenyra Targaryen, for Alison Hightower, for Damon Targaryen, for a lot of other characters who are in this thing. It is a full cast. This show could be really, really good. It really could. Oh. Or it could be terrible. It's a lot more bleak than Game of Thrones, believe it or not. Like, Oof. no one lives. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, how do, you, how do you get more bleaker than that? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's difficult. But we'll, we'll see if they can manage it. I think embracing that is kind of key, too. Like, mm. this is a bleak story, for better or worse. Um, maybe it'll be more appropriate for our times once we get there, depending on what happens in a couple of weeks. We'll see. Um so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think he's a solid choice. Um, I like what he brings to it. And now I'm officially kind of on the hype train for give me more announcements. All give right. me more uh, stuff, to, stuff to chew on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Be anxiously waiting. Any any other thoughts, questions, concerns, comments about House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones prequel show coming to <laughs> HBO around 2022? <laughs> no, all 2022. That's Ish. actually a fantastic segue into... <laughs> our next topic. Oh, I think our next topic. Oh, yes. Before we do, though, do you know that uh, Take the Black Live or Take the Black you can listen to on things like um, iTunes and uh, Google Play, wherever podcasts are available? You can download it right now in any of these locations and listen to it on your commute during your run. Um, you know, while you stand in the center of your living room, not touching anything and just sitting there listening. Whatever you want to do. Um, feel free and bon voyage. All right, Mia. Um, we're going to get back to Game of Thrones in a bit, but what are we talking about next? Oh, we're talking about delays. Have you ever heard of this word before? Delay? I have. Oh, <laughs> Seems um, to be really quick. Martha coming up asked, and oh. Where do you think the filming will take place? You know, Martha, Ooh. I have no idea. I don't think they've actually started that uh, process yet of finding the locations, but 
Believe me, we will be on it the second they do. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. All right. Yeah. So we got like this week. I'm slowly losing track of the days. It's mm-hmm. like we film in the middle of the week. And so we get news from like the beginning of this week and the end of last week. So at some point between our last show, there were a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of delays going on. Um, and I've got a list here. And just to kind of summarize everything that's been going on is that all of these movies, basically, that we maybe thought were going to be coming out around Thanksgiving uh-huh. and all, you know, this kind of, of end of the year, it's like, no, not going to happen. <laughs> and I think it's smart, right? Push everything to basically 2021, 2022. So here's what we've got. We've got Dune moving from December to October 2021. That one hurts. Um, I looked, I yeah, I know. One. I know. And it was kind of like I told you when it first was re- uh, the trailer first came out and then like right after that, there were these rumors that it would be um, moving dates. And I was like, I just I just feel like it's yeah, it's not going to survive 2020. <laughs> um, we've Nothing got James Bond, No Time to Die, which is one of the first movies to be delayed. It's now they're like, okay, you know, no November. We're going to do April 2021. Uh, Our beloved The Batman (laughs) featuring Robert Pattinson from October 1st, 2021 into 2022. So not only are they pushing 2021, 20 movies, they're pushing 2021 movies. Lots of 20s. (laughs) Um, So then we've also got The Flash coming out November 2022. Shazam 2 coming out. 2023 and um on the universal side jurassic world dominion moving to 2022 as well so gosh, we don't get we got... any movies this year yeah. i think wonder woman is still hanging on at like december 11th or whatever but i don't know man i yeah at this rate i think it really is just safe to wait it out i think for the studio's sake as well kind of just make sure that you can get all of your money's worth because like if you were to release something like, you know, Black Widow right now, it's like they're really not going to get a great return on that. No. Um, I mean, they could put was, it out on Disney Plus. <laughs> they could, but I really don't want... Do you... Okay. I would rather it be, you know, you go out to the movie theater, you can see it on the big screen, you can have the surround sound and all that stuff because mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like there's certain <laughs> movies where I still just need to see it in theaters. I actually am not a fan of like theaters aren't antiquated or anything like that. I kind of prefer still to go out to the theater sometimes and, you know, just to get out and get away. Oh, I'm fully on board, especially something like Dune, which like looks pretty remarkably, mm-hmm. remarkable cinematographically, which looks really, really pretty and I want to see it in the big screen. Um, but I think your next point was going to be all these things getting pushed back, they're all going to come out at like one after the other, after the other, yeah. after, the other after the other at some point, right? <laughs> yeah. Gosh, yeah. So, like, for example, take Marvel. Marvel is going to have eight movies coming out in the span of 14 months. So, f- one, two, four movies in 2021, Black Widow, Shang-Chi Eternals, Spider-Man, and four movies basically coming out in 2022. Uh, Thor, Dark Strange, Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2. Some of those which haven't even, you know, began filming yet. So I'm wondering, mm-hmm. like, is it a good thing that, you know, we're going to be treated to all these movies in 2021 and 2022? Or is it going to feel like just super overwhelming? And it's like, I don't want to see another movie in my entire life. I'm going to guess you can guess what I'm going to say. But I think the second one. No, yeah. I, it doesn't sound good to me at all. Like, I, I, I don't want to feel like I'm hostage to the movie theaters going to see, like, 
Oh God, I just laid down. I guess we had another week before I got to see another one. That, that doesn't sound very <laughs> fun to me. I yeah. would prefer to miss them a little bit before we go back and take it in again. Yeah. And um, between that and all the things are being bombarded with on TV, um, I think it'll hurt them. I, I, I think people are going to not want to go back and back and back and back and back over and over again. I think yeah. they're already hurting. I think it'll be a while to really see a proper recovery from movie theaters. And I think the next couple of years, assuming they even can release them in 2021, which, like, mm-hmm. I mean, we're crossing our fingers and everything, um, is going to be a bit of a rebuilding year. And it, it almost feels like they're going to have to, like, flush everything out. Um, even though I'm, I'm sure they're all going to be good, but without the time to kind of, like, sink in, I, 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 I think they will be less of a success. Yeah, yeah. Let us know in the chat, too, what you all think, because I'm curious. It's like, do you want, is it going to be just like, you know, the gift that keeps on giving? Like, oh, I can go back and see this. I can go back and see this. You know, pay, what, like $13 for a movie ticket <laughs> just for yourself every every week, every month. Uh, oh, Julie agrees with me. Uh, she says, yeah, I'm with you, Mia. Theaters are an experience. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, they're an experience. I, I really point, like... We haven't been to one in ages. Like, I haven't been to one since probably February or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, something like when I went to see Tenet, that was that was an experience. And that was something where it's like, yeah, you you know, you can't miss out on this. But on the other end, it's like they missed out on a lot of money, I'm sure. Because <laughs> I don't even know if they reported their numbers the first... Or they, they kind of did... But I don't know if it was just like something where they were like, let's not, you know. <laughs> they were being a little sketchy. They yeah. were being a little like, like that selective numbers thing. Like yeah. In, it's the best our movie's ever done with adults age 23 to 26 and a half in, yeah. you know, outer Mongolia. Like, yeah. this, like, yes, you can make it sound good if you just pick and choose just the right numbers. It was, it was, exactly. it, it, it was that kind of thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's like half of me wants to say, you know, like right now, since we are in a little bit of a drought. And that's also weird to say because we still got stuff coming out on Netflix and Amazon. Like Netflix, to me, it seems like they will never stop having content. Maybe, maybe until 2021 or 2022 rolls around. And then the movies will be laughing. Because they're like, now we are releasing all yeah. of our back catalog and you couldn't film stuff back here. So, you got nothing. I know, I know, yeah. To me, How it's like... tables. <laughs> I don't, like, the prospect of having four Marvel movies after not having them for a whole year sounds really exciting to me. But, yeah, I'm also kind of weary of, like, is every movie going to be able to have its moment type of thing? Because... Uh, in a good year, you know, when Marvel comes out with two movies, like one at the top of the year and one at the bottom of the year, you've got some breathing room, you know, you can promote it all and it's, it's fine. But having a movie come out May, July, November and December, to me, doesn't feel like it has enough room to breathe and, and all that. So It's unfortunate, but I mean, yeah. it is what it is, right? I mean, it's, it's not yeah. like you can wish it to be another way. This is just the reality <laughs> in, 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 until it's not. Oh, speaking of Marvel, I'll give my last word in about Marvel okay. is the Jamie Foxx news. Yeah, <laughs> in, which, in which, yeah, Jamie Foxx, who played Electro, Villain Electro in Sam. The Amazing Spider-Man Part 2, Sam. 2014, 
is now going to return to the rebooted franchise featuring Tom Holland. Uh, and he's going to be playing the same character. So that is actually pretty fascinating to it's see. It's pretty intriguing. Some people were saying it's going to be a live action into the Spider-Verse. Yes, totally. Because, yeah, he's coming from one Spider-Man to the other. That's I'm where they're going, wonder- right? I mean, I'm one- because the entire like Far From Home was about like, I'm from another universe, I'm Mysterio, but I'm lying to you, but I'm like, you believe it because this is a thing that happens now. I think that's totally Yeah, Yeah, that was the thing about Mysterio is because he said he he basically made up the multiverse thing and it was like, so, you know, what's really going on here? I happen to think that it might be uh, indicative of a Sinister Six movie, which has been in the works basically since Andrew Garfield was there, basically where all the big bads of the Spider-Man universe come together and they're like, okay, now we're going to beat up Spider-Man because we hate him so much. <laughs> I just hate that freaking photographer. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's quite the nuisance, which to me that idea still seems kind of dumb because, you know, <laughs> Spider-Man is supposed to be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and for the most part, he's been saving the world from aliens and Thanos, so I don't really see what kind of vendetta people would have against him, except for maybe um, the Vulture, because, you know, he put him in jail and all that. So. Okay, um, <laughs> I can try out of my quick, quick explanation. Yes. Um, whenever there's a successful superhero... The people have to get together and say, we got to like have a special where all of his dumb enemies get together. The one with the octopus <laughs> yeah. arms, the one who can fly and the one who's the gangster. Um, I think it justifies itself. I don't think, really, yeah. I don't think it's super, super necessary to. Uh, I mean, for, but for the neighborhood Spider-Man, I mean, yeah, that's the people who live there. But he's also a superhero like fighting crime. The, fo- the folk he puts in jail don't think he's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. They think he's an asshole. <laughs> okay okay fine 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 i just think it seems like this spider-man is a little less personal to new york like we haven't really seen that developed I guess. as you know it's been maybe in some of the others like you know toby mcguire never went to space like <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's one thing that never happened in the original series but i digress well, yeah, I like um i think it should still be pretty interesting no matter how it comes out um and yeah, apparently they might they might be filming this year um this the latest yeah yeah in october so yeah. which is interesting filming like right in the middle of new york so bam yeah i just want a chance to talk about marvel <laughs> i'm like since i write about star wars all day i don't really have the chance <laughs> to like have a platform to say hey this is all the marvel stuff going on that you know was like rattling around like cats in my brain so yeah <laughs> should be an I'm, interesting i'm glad that we can provide yeah. you an, an outlet <laughs> thank you thank you and right. then at the end of this, we got to get some of my um, Lovecraft ramblings out. Absolutely. But first, <laughs> look what I got, courtesy of, oh God, the publisher, HBO Ooh. affiliate, Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon, the new Game of Thrones oral history by Ooh. Entertainment Weekly's own James Hibbard. Okay, this book came out yesterday, and um, I believe, Julie Davis, if you're still watching, this is the copy that you're going to get, because Julie, <laughs> just just to... Let you know, won the Wick Club giveaway this month. Ooh. And if you're interested in getting more of where that came from, there's a link right there. Okay, there we go. Um, anyway, this book is the product of James Hibbard's like dozens and dozens of interviews with Game of Thrones cast members, crew members, directors, writers, actors, etc. behind the scenes. He had a ton of access to the set like throughout the entirety of when they were filming. And he basically 
has better access than anyone in the world. And so he was the best person to write this book. And we've been getting excerpts from it like for weeks now. And I got to say, if you're into Game of Thrones, I, I'm usually not very effusive about products, but like this does seem like really, really good. There's so much juicy information in here. They talk to them about like why they cut Lady Stoneheart, talk to them about like why they kind of diverged from the book at a certain point. George R. R. Martin weighs in mm-hmm. on like scenes he thought they should have been different or scenes he liked. Apparently, he hated a scene where the hunting party wasn't big enough because that's what he cares about. <laughs> um, really chock full of juicy info. And yeah, just like an honest to good, very interesting book. Fire Cannot Kill the Dragon on stores now. Um, you can buy it unless you're the person who won it in the Wit Club. Congratulations on that. Are you at all interested in this or this kind of thing? Like if there was a definitive behind the scenes of, um, you know, the Star War. Oh. Would you be into that? <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned that because there actually is a sort of kind of there's a Star Wars uh, fascinating facts book coming out next week. Um, but it's not it's not really behind the scenes stories. It's just a random collection of sort of like behind the scenes, scrapped ideas, random facts. There's really no rhyme or reason to this book. Just here's some Star Wars trivia. So I really I like that idea where it's like actually on set and you've got, you know, this sort of narrative going on. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, I could do. And I mean, OK, so how just a couple of uh, fun facts from this little book to tie you for a second. OK. One of the good ones, apparently Bruce Willis tried to sabotage them filming the fight between the mountain and the viper. Did you read about that one? I did not. Okay, really quick, fun story. So that's the scene where, you know, they, um, the mountain crushes the viper's head, poor Pedro Pascal. Um, they were filming it like outside, like overlooking a bay. And they'd like told all the yacht owners to, you know, like, stay back like during like nine to five on this day or whatever we're going to film and everyone did and they all signed agreements and like i'm sure we're paid except for bruce willis who like took his yacht out and was like going back and forth trying to be in their shot for some reason what a jerk (laughs) to be fair they can't like prove it was him but they all seem very sure so i'm just gonna go ahead and assume so that's awesome love that um there were (laughs) sorry Get that in the mail. I will very soon, Julie. <laughs> um, there is some great stuff about the adaptation process because, you know, and the final season process. Because, I mean, personally, I think the biggest thing I kind of wanted from reading a book like this was insight into, you know, like, what was the process during that the, that last season that everyone kind of had the big blowback to? Yeah. Like, did you react to that? Like, how did you feel about that? And there is some juicy stuff. Apparently, they don't go into it, like, super, super deep. But the, the, I, 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 I like what I've read. Okay. Like, um, you know, looking back, David Benioff, one of the showrunners, said, you know, there were things. Looking back, we would do differently now. I don't know if there's anything I would want to discuss publicly. And to that, I say, mm. oh, please discuss it publicly. I know. <laughs> I'm really curious. The next book, maybe. Ooh, yeah. Oh, part two. Um. On diverging from the books, he said, we don't get bonus points for being strictly faithful to the books. It doesn't give us anything extra. For every decision, if there's a fork in the road and the fork to the left is strictly adhering to the books and to the right is what's better for the series, we're always going to take the path to the right. And I agree with that in like in the abstract. But I guess looking back, 
I wonder if there were some forks in the road where maybe adhering to the books would have been better for the series, especially yeah. in kind of relation to the big blowback. And um, at least the, the there was a really interesting quote uh, from writer Brian Cogman, who was talking about kind of the final Daenerys uh, descent into madness. And I'm just going to read what he said, and you can tell me whether <laughs> you think it checks out. Okay. Remember that scene um, after Daenerys destroyed the Lannister army on the field of battle, like with her Dothraki and Drogon, she burnt them all to a crisp, and Jaime tried to charge at her with a sword and a spear, but he got knocked into the river. After that scene, she executes a couple of, like, Sam's father and brother, the Tarleys, who were fighting against her. With a big old, you know, blast of Dracarys. Kill them. The black. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently that scene was supposed to, like, set up the turn to madness. And I didn't really get that. But what Brian Cogman said was, <clears throat> uh, In our minds, we thought the Randall Tarley scene, that's the guy she executed, was disturbing. Then I watched it with a crowd of people at a friend's house and they were cheering. Weirdly, the audience just didn't care. They loved Danny. So it's so intriguing that, like, they they wrote these scenes that I guess they thought were setting up Daenerys as this, like, avenging destroyer who was capable of just massacring a city. But, I mean, I, watching, didn't get that from that scene. I thought it was, like, a little intense, but, you know, she's been intense. Mm-hmm. Um, not, like, terribly out of step with what other people had done on the show. I, I certainly <laughs> exactly. didn't get genocide from it. So... <laughs> I thought that was intriguing, that just the, the notion yeah. of, because like ever since the show ended, like the big thing for me was like, I just don't think they quite got Daenerys to the point where we bought that. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they thought they were, but maybe <laughs> it didn't quite work. I I don't know. I think I'm just going to have to call BS on this quote altogether. Maybe it, it really was their true intention to be like, you know... This was a disturbing scene, and and this just definitively means her snap. But I think I've said this a couple of times, just that they really needed to show a nice, slow progression. <laughs> they needed to show that progression of her, you know, her actual descent, and not just this, you know, cliff dive, you know, from being the Daenerys that we know to the Mad Queen. So... I, I'm just, I'm going to have to call him out for this quote. He probably knew what he was doing. Oh, I mean, I don't think he knew it. I mean, I thought, I thought, I think he thought this was it, um, is my take on it. I mean, the way, I don't think he's lying. I, I, I think they misjudged. Like, looking back, reading this, watching the show. Yeah. I think they thought they did set it up properly. But, um, you know, yeah. when you're creating art or a show or you're writing sometimes uh the things that you think are working you, you're not really gonna know if they really are until you get them right. up on screen you're like oh that's what we did <laughs> yeah yeah i get that it's like in your head you have this idea and you've been carrying this idea this whole time right this is her descent this is what's going on with her but you know when you're coming from the outside and you haven't been working on this character for you know the months that you have for the season or years it's one of those things where it's like you can't always assume that the audience is going to fill in the blanks just by, you know, one certain thing. So yeah, I mean, like... I'll give uh, them benefit of the doubt. Like, I, I think we certainly should. I mean, what, yeah. why are you calling him a liar? Why would he lie? 
He's like, I need a cover story quick. No, I'm, I'm, like, j- I'm joking. I mean, like, you know, how many times have you been like, oh, this joke is great. And then you tell it and no one laughs. And you're like, oh, I guess it was better in my head. No, like, can't you know, relate, whole- Dan. Can't relate. <laughs> no, it's true. Yes. Just the whole idea of like, like good on paper or like good in yeah. my head. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not perfect. And by the way, just disclaimer, if you loved it, I'm glad for you. If it worked for you, I'm very, very happy. And I and I did enjoy it. I watched it. But I think it's very interesting. I, I like getting this kind of like behind the scenes look into their head. And I hope there's even more stuff like that. Uh, Martha agrees. Oh, good. And Julie sort of got that by seeing Tyrion's reaction, which, yeah, they did um, definitely like have Tyrion like look aghast at it. Mm. But I don't think it was enough. Like... There was a scene where, like, Jon Snow in the fifth season, like, we're getting really deep in the weeds, but, like, uh, Yano's Flint, one of his underlings, like, uh, disobeyed his order when he was Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. It, 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 it's a pretty good scene. It's from the books. And Jon Snow, like, just at that disobey, um, executes him. He gets a block. He gets a sword. He cuts off his head like his father did before. Just for a guy disobeying. Which he he was like a problem guy. He he didn't want John there. He was against him. But at the same time, I'm like, there were other options, but you went right to execution. And that wasn't supposed to be like, he's losing it. He's gonna snap. Yeah. Like that was just John being a good leader. But when Daenerys does it, pretty much the same thing. Apparently it's a like a, a foretells genocide. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I see what you're coming from with that. Yeah, so that, that was my thought about that. I think it's very, very interesting. As Julie says, I think I was just in denial as I loved Danny. <laughs> we all did. Which, yeah. again, I mean, like, I think we all love Danny, which is why the yeah. writers had to work harder to get her to the point where we would believe she would do something like that, mm-hmm. is my take on it. Anyway, lots of great stuff in here. Um, lots of cool factoids. Apparently, Natalie Dormer was originally going to play Melisandre. That's kind of interesting. Um, or at least audition for it. Lots of cool factoids behind the scenes stuff. I also like this once quote from George R. R. Martin about him kind of telling them the ending. Uh, it wasn't easy for me. I didn't want to give away my books. It's not easy to talk about the end of my books. Every character has a different end. I told them who would be on the Iron Throne. I told them some British press like Hodor and hold the door and Sansa isn't to burn his daughter. We didn't get to everybody by any means, especially the minor characters who may have very different endings. So there will still be differences in the books when they come out. Oh, what a book. Really, it's good, people. It, 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 it is really in-depth and interesting. And if you didn't already win it in the Wit Club, uh, which you can go join at that link, um, feel free to peruse, well, not your bookstore, but maybe go on Amazon or another place that doesn't involve you touching people and uh, order it there if you're interested. Any other... Any other questions about this, Mia? About Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon? <laughs> the full title oh, is no Fire questions. Cannot Kill yeah. a Dragon, Game of Thrones, and the unofficial untold story of the epic series. And the official, I'm sorry, which is a very <laughs> long title. But you know what? Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. So go ahead. Work, James Hibbert. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> I do too. And Julie, I'll put it in the mail uh, post-haste. Yeah, you know, no, we've got it. Before we close the stream, we have to see you physically going to the post office, <laughs> putting a stamp on it. <laughs> As Nicole says, she used to read her Terry Goodkind books. He just died, Nicole. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Terry Goodkind did die. Do you hear this, Mia? Terry Goodkind is a uh, pretty big fantasy author. 
who wrote the Sword of Truth series, which I read in middle school. Oh, wow. Um, way back in the day. And he died recently. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Although he was a controversial guy. We could do a whole episode on him and his complicated legacy. But uh, yeah, he did die. And um, I thought the books were pretty good until I stopped reading them because it got weird. Um, anyway, why don't we move on to what are we watching? What are yeah. you guys watching out there? What do you think of what you're watching? And the big thing that I'm watching is I'm I'm officially caught up on The Boys um, on Amazon Prime. And I'm I'm fully in at this point. Yeah. Um, well, okay. What do you mean by officially caught up? Because you said you skipped season one last week. I did, so what is that I looking have, like? But I've watched all of season two. <laughs> okay. Well, I haven't. I haven't watched all of season two, so no spoilers there. They gotcha. they finished it though. They had the finale on Friday. Is that this Friday or it, it was this last Friday, Friday? Is the finale? Okay. Okay. So I, I I'll have to look out or avoid the spoilers on that. Or just watch. It's really good. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, I take things very slow. And then it's like at some point I want to do a rewatch of The Mandalorian season one, which shouldn't be that long because, you know, nice and condensed eight episodes should be a breeze. Although now they basically confirmed that like everything we thought was true about The Mandalorian season two, like all the actors we thought were going to come in, they're all coming in. So, again, <laughs> just I, I hope it's not too bloated. Yeah. Yeah. I think. They might try to use it as a spring pad to kind of like launch whatever else Dave Filoni is trying to do, like with his live action Clone Wars and Rebels thing. So I'm like, okay, they can have like their one episode. Dave Filoni is writing episode five of the series of season two. So it's like maybe, you know, everybody's going to meet up in that episode. They're going to do what they need to do and then just say, okay, see you in the next series now. You know, back to the Mandalorian. We'll see you soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Uh, Oh, yeah. Lovecraft Country has been going, going, going. Uh, still wild, was, still fun. It was really interesting. I actually, I would say the ending was <laughs> kind of my favorite ending in a while where the, you know, the monsters come out and, oh, with you know, spoilers here, but, you know, monsters come out, start wreaking havoc. I think for oh, me, it's yeah, because I good. love... I love action. So, <laughs> to finally see something exciting, because it was a little... I don't. I don't want to say slow paced, but as far as the the action beats, you know, wasn't as intense. Um, maybe some of the chase scenes with D, which I thought yeah, that I was know, pretty man. brilliant. Those little girls were giving me all the horror uh, <laughs> tension I needed in my life. <laughs> like they were creepy. That was really creepy. Yeah. I love the way the show keeps finding new ways to like visually interest me. Like yeah, like. They've gotten a lot of mileage out of, like, big CGI special effects, whether it's, you know, the nine tails uh, killing people during sex mm -hmm. or the Shoggoth demon at the end there tearing police officers apart or, you know, Hippolyta's whole uh, psychotropic 2001 yeah. dream. But, like, <laughs> those little girls, just the makeup and the dance and the movements and how they were so creepy and, like, dancing in synchronicity with each other yeah. and the weird makeup, just as good as any, like, CGI thing. And it was very, oh, yeah. very eerie. And I was... Officially creeped out by a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I was creeped out. I thought that was... And was in Chicago. They were like, I've been yeah. on that L platform. Yeah, the Quincy station. I was talking about uh -huh. that in the podcast. <laughs> it was like one of the oldest stations in the city of Chicago. That's so awesome. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, it was really, really great. Building up to this fina finale in two weeks. So Sunday is going to be episode nine. And the next Sunday is the finale. So... Hey, hopefully we can have you back to discuss the finale on Lovecraft Country Chronicles. I oh, think it sure. should be pretty big. 
Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see where things end up because they got like really meta and now oh, like did, yeah. Atticus thinks he's going to die, but it's like, is he going to die? I have no clue. <laughs> Letty is bulletproof and yeah. Tick has a Shoggoth protector. Dee yeah. is being chased by eerie, creepy Uncle Tom's cabin cover stealing, dancing demon girls. Uh, yeah, it's good. Um, I, I'm still interested. Yeah, I'm so interested. I'm, I'm curious yeah. what you're saying. Julie, you said that the Walking Dead finale was pretty good. Um, we 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 almost had someone on today to talk about that, but there was a conflict. But yes, I, I'm I'm glad that that show seems to have wrapped up that season well. And yeah. now all they have to do is take it home, and they could have uh, quite the little dynasty on their hands. <laughs> Yeah, I know my dad watched the finale. I could have watched. I don't know what I was doing. I ended up not watching it with him. I think he said his from his perspective, he enjoyed it. He, I don't think he thought it was as good as maybe some other finales, but I think he enjoyed it overall. Cool. Yeah, I mean, didn't watch World Beyond though. Because that yeah, also uh, uh, apparently World Beyond is kind of like mostly. I'm hearing it's like eh, it's like all yeah. right. We'll no. see if it gets any better. As Nicole says, watching old stuff, lots of movies and shows, but all older, which is perfectly fine. I love that. Um, did anyone watch The Spanish Princess? Martha asks. I haven't. Martha, it does look good. I do like historical stuff like that. And The White Queen, too. But um, I will try to get around to that. And someone up there, I forget who, was talking about is Travis Fimmel from Vikings fame might be cast in House of the Dragon, which is a big rumor going around right now. Uh-uh. I mean, I think it's just a rumor. I, I haven't heard anything really, really firm. But I mean, he would make a good Daemon Targaryen. Like, he is kind of got the um, the lust for life going on that you would acquire for that character. And if he was in, that would be a draw, because that show, Vikings, is has a following. And people love Travis Fimmel. Are you familiar at all? Mr. Fimmel's work? I'm not familiar with him, no. He's good. And he would yeah. make a good Targaryen. Mm. Um, other than that, it was good to see Beta get it, as Julie says. I did hear <laughs> about the death scene. That sounded <laughs> wild. Ooh, I gotta like, look that Daryl, like, uh, jams two giant knives into his eyes, like, straight down, and finally he dies, Beta. Walking Dead Ooh. goes there, man. Walking Dead goes <laughs> there with the extremity, which I appreciate. Yeah. I, I always like that about it. Yeah. Um, anything else we can say before we sign off? I know, Nicole, you did say that um, Blasphemy, the books are awesome, the Sword of Truth books. I have a complicated Terry Goodkind relationship. Maybe someday we'll do a little chat about it. I don't know, because he is a part of a fantasy book for the past, like, 20 years. Um, I'll just leave it at this. I read the books, and then at some point, the books got a little weird, I thought, and then I stopped. But I enjoyed <laughs> a bunch of them. I enjoyed what I read. Until they got weird. Um, that's about it. Mia, do you have anything else you want to say? Anything else you're watching that I was looking forward to before we sign off for the day? Oh, my gosh. No, I think that's about that's about it. Oh, yeah. No. That's <laughs> excellent. But everyone out there, thanks for watching. Um, show went down for a certain season, The Walking Dead. Um, yeah, that, that, that show has so much discourse around it. It's hard to keep up. Anyway, thanks for watching. We're here every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Winners Coming Facebook page. Also, the Winners Coming YouTube channel. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are available. I left the Wit Club link up there if you want to uh, get in on more cool giveaways like this one in the future. Yeah. Julia, your book is coming. Thanks for watching, everybody. We will see you next week. 
Have a lovely evening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.